Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. God is good, isn't he? All the time, and all the time, God is good. So we're wrapping up our study in Acts And sometimes it's bittersweet when we wrap this up. We've been walking through the book of Acts. I say walk through, maybe we've taken a stroll through. I realized this week, I was like, we started this in July. (laughs) Like this has been a long stroll through. Um, and, And honestly, I wasn't sure I wanted to take that long with it, but it's been good. My hope is that you have received a deeper view and and understanding of the early life of the church and that... Now maybe it has changed and impacted your life on how you live for Jesus Christ. Last week we saw the defining moment. Paul was heading towards Jerusalem, remember? And with complete knowledge, like it was not a secret to him that what lay ahead was going to be hard times. Um, and that's, you know, that's impactful to me because sometimes I think if we knew the direction, the journey God was fixing to put us on, what would we do? We would take a left turn, right? Or we'd take a right turn. We'd do something to try to avoid that pathway. Luke and the other believers, remember, they tried the hardest that they could to convince him that um, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. Bad things are going to happen. Like it's it's keeps getting told to us that it's prison and you're going to be beat and and this is not a good thing. And remember at the end of our segment we were looking at last week and, and Luke said when it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said the Lord's will be done. So they knew this is a, a path that is is set before Paul, and he is headed to Jerusalem. Now, the journey from Jerusalem uh, to Rome, this is where things get a little crazy, because again, Paul just knew that he was going to Jerusalem, right? So I'm going to give you a synopsis. We're finishing up today, and I'm just going to run through the synopsis of how we get Paul to Jerusalem to Rome. And Luke was a great historian. This is why I'm giving you the short version today. He loves details. He loves to talk as much as Paul loved to talk, I think. Um, and sometimes it's repetitive. It's a lot of Paul just sharing his testimony over and over every place that he's been. Paul did arrive at Jerusalem. He met with the church. He met with James. Remember, James is the head of the church. So he meets with James and the elders. And they begin to tell him, hey... The Jewish community, they're not real happy with you. And I was thinking like, really, 30 years later and they're still hanging on to this. Kind of sounds like things we deal with in life sometimes. We're thinking like, really, that person is still hanging on to this, right? But the Jews were still not happy with Paul. They felt like he was out there telling people to just forget about the law. It's no use. It's no good. And and just go do something totally different. And we know that's not who Paul was. He still held to his traditions as a Jewish believer himself. And in fact, um, the he goes to the temple, he, he, he starts performing a purification because James tells him, says, look, 
you know, there's these guys that are going to go down and do a purification ceremony. Won't you join them, pay for them doing this? This was something common in the day that uh, somebody who was more well off would actually pay for the things they would need for those ceremonies. He said, go show them that you, you haven't ditched our tradition. You haven't ditched what God gave us as Jewish people. And so he does. He goes down, he's, he's doing this, but the Jewish people still just come unglued on him. Like in the middle of all of this happening, the, they create a mob and a riot. Now the Roman commander immediately, he steps in because his job is to keep peace in the city. So he steps in, he arrests Paul, basically to save his life, by the way, because they are beating Paul on the outskirts. They have taken him out of the temple and, and they're beating him. And so he arrests him, he takes him in. Um, Acts chapter 22, Paul tries to kind of settle down the mob. This this cracks me up about Paul that he even steps in to try to talk to them again, to, to calm them down, right? So he steps in, he's talking to them, and it seems to be going well. Like they're listening to him pretty good until you get to verse 21 of chapter 22. And it says, but the Lord said to me, talking to Paul, he's telling them his testimony of everything that has happened from Damascus Road on. And the Lord said to me, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they all began to shout, away with such a fellow, he isn't fit to live. And so everything was good until he mentioned the Gentiles. And it reminded them, oh yeah, that's why we're mad at you. You you are out there talking to them Gentiles. So to this point, Paul knew he was sent to Jerusalem, right? Like if we, if you remember everything we've talked about in the last several weeks, he knew he was headed to Jerusalem no matter what lay there. But God's journey was fixing to take another twist for him. So in chapter 23, we see that twist in verse 11. It says, that night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. So we see that little twist, and when things become kind of out of control again, the the commander decides he's going to send Paul back to Caesarea. And we're like, why would you go back to Caesarea? Because in Jerusalem, that was the head of the church. Caesarea was the head of the Roman state of that area. So he was basically sending him to the Roman courts then, trying to get this mess figured out. Because again, they just wanted peace. Everybody had to be in peace. So Governor Felix at Caesarea decides, okay, I'll hear this case. He said, let me give time for your accusers to come to the court. I have to hear from them. And so then in chapter 24, that's where he goes before Felix and his accusers come in and they even bring their lawyer with them, right? And the lawyer gives the account of everything that they are basically charging him with. Verse 4 says, but I don't want to bore you, so please give me your attention for only a moment. We found this man to be a troublemaker who's constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He's a ringleader of this cult or this sect known as the Nazarenes. See, that's why people think we're a cult. No, we're not a cult. Furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. 
And you can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. And then the other Jews chimed in, declaring everything that Tertullus had said was true. So this lawyer comes up and says, man, this guy is stirring problem everywhere he goes. And Paul steps up with a rebuttal and goes, they're crazy. Like, I didn't stir up that right. I was in the temple, by the way, doing the things that they say I don't do. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing when they started the riot against me, right? He says, I wasn't causing the trouble. Another big thing, though, that he is sure to cl- to clarify in them, because he, he kind of got offended about this thought of being a, in a cult or a sect. A, a sect is going to be something separate from us is basically what the Jews are accusing him of. He's not part of us. He is trying to start something different. And in verse 14, Paul says, but I admit that I follow the way, which they call a cult, and I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. So Paul rebuttals. He says, I believe in the same God they do. Like I wholeheartedly believe in the scriptures that they're telling me I don't. I believe in God. Now Felix, he he's listening to all of this and, you know... He's in a tough spot because he's a politician. And he's trying to keep the Jews happy, but he's trying to do due diligence. And he realizes that really they have nothing against Paul, that for him as a Roman governor, that he can put Paul to death. Now, Paul gets this opportunity, though, to share the good news with Felix and his wife, Drusilla. Verse 24, 25 always kind of gets me. It says, a few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. So he knows a little bit about what's going on. He's not uneducated in the Jewish ways. So sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control in the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Go away for now. When it's more convenient, I'll call for you again. Wow, isn't that an interesting statement? How many people say, when it's more convenient, I'll follow Jesus? You know, someday I'll get there. Like, I'm I'm just not ready yet, right? What we really mean is, I like my life the way it is, and I don't really want to make a change. Felix never made a ruling about Paul. Again, he's trying to play both sides of the cards here. He wants to do what's right, which means he sees no reason to put Paul to death or keep him in prison, really. But he wants to keep the Jews happy. And so he does. He keeps Paul in prison for two years so that he kind of plays both sides of this. Now, later... After those two years, Festus uh, replaces Felix. He comes in as governor. And so this whole process starts over again. All of the got to hear what's against Paul. He brings in everybody to talk about it. And Festus wants to kind of clear it up and get rid of like, this guy's been stuck in prison for two years. Let's hear it. Let's, let's be done with this. 
And then he finally suggests that Paul go back to Jerusalem because he says, look, I have nothing from the Roman side of things that I can press you with. He's like, so would you be willing, Paul, to go back to Jerusalem and go before your religious courts, basically, to let them try you on what they're charging you with? And Paul replies, chapter 25, verse 10, no, this is the official Roman court, so I ought to be tried right here. Remember, he's a Roman citizen. And he said, you know very well I'm not guilty of harming the Jews, and if I have done something worthy of death... I don't refuse to die, but if I am innocent, no one has a right to turn me over to these men to kill me. I appeal to Caesar. That was a defining moment for Paul. The moment he said, I appeal to Caesar, there was nothing Festus could do. As a Roman citizen, he had every right to say, I don't agree with what the court is saying. So this is like our appeal system. I appeal to the Supreme Court, right? And so this sealed that fate for Paul. Now, in the in chapters 26, 27, that's the whole voyage of, of the sea, and, and there's a shipwreck in there. But I want to look at chapter 28 today. Chapter 28. Verse 16, when we arrived, we, that's Luke, is there with Paul. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. So he was put in house arrest. He's no longer in a prison. And in fact, most likely, he would have had his own place. He was probably still working to support himself or having friends help to support him. He just had a guard that shadowed him everywhere he went. Right? So he was just under basic house arrest. And then he, three days later, when he gets there, the first thing he does, he calls together the Jewish people. Right? The whole reason he's in trouble. But he calls together the Jewish people to basically kind of figure out where he stands with them. Like, okay, I just left the Jerusalem area. They hate me. They want to kill me there. Let's see if that has all filtered into Rome. So he gathers them, he tells his testimony, as Paul always does, and we're thinking, wow, he's repetitive. He didn't have internet. Like, everybody couldn't Google him to figure out what Paul's story was. Who's a who's a Google maniac? I'm a Google maniac. Yeah. Like, I hear names. I recently, a, a commercial of yeah, political stuff, and I was like, I know that name. And I told Thomas yesterday, I went down that rabbit hole, and I figured it out. And there was connections to Sheridan and when I lived in Sheridan kind of deal. You know, I'm a Google maniac. Well, they didn't have that back then, right? And so they tell Paul, like, no, we, we've not heard anything about all of this, you know, with you or whatever. So he shares his, his testimony. And I want you to notice... Because what they're accusing Paul of is like, you are just bashing our tradition, our heritage. You're trying to do something so brand new, like you are just forgetting us. But everywhere Paul goes, who's the first people he reaches out to? The Jewish believers. Because he knows. First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles, is what the scriptures had said. So he reaches out to the Jewish community he doesn't know if the story has made a bias, and they're like, no, we really uh, haven't heard anything. Verse 21, it says, We have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about this movement 
is that it is denounced everywhere. So they've obviously heard of the way. They know what the way is. They just don't really know Paul's full involvement in this quite yet. And it says, so a time was set, and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained, testified about the kingdom of God, tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. So again, he would be looking at what we call Old Testament scriptures, showing them the prophets and everything that was leading to the Messiah and showing how Jesus fulfilled those things. So he he explained, testified about the kingdom, and it says, using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning till evening, verse 24, some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. Not everyone is going to get it, church. You see, listen to me, it makes absolute sense When we tell people our testimony about Jesus, how awesome he is, what he's done for us, like it makes sense to us, right? Have you ever had that conversation with somebody and be like, why wouldn't you want this? Like, why wouldn't you want to just try it out? It's like when you find a new recipe, it's that time of year and everybody's throwing out new recipes. Hey, I found this on Pinterest. Does anybody still do Pinterest? I don't know. I did last night, actually. I was looking for something specific, and I did go to Pinterest, and it made me think, does anybody still do Pinterest? But we all have these new recipes, and it's like, try this, and everyone, mm, I don't know what's in it. I can see Miss Diane, and she, what's in Is that got a green bean in there? I don't know. Yeah, see, <laughs> her and her green beans. She is to green beans what I am to an onion. She just, you know, don't do it. And, but we'll be like, no, but this is so good. This is so, Miss Diane, I have a new way of cooking green beans. I think you'd like it. I think you'd like it, Miss Diane. That's how it feels like sometimes when we're trying to tell people about Jesus. Because we know what he did for us. But they don't get it. They don't get it. And that's what, that's what Paul was seeing here. Some were persuaded, some understood, but some will not. Not everyone will accept the truth of who Jesus is. And how good it can be. Because they've, they've listened to the lies of too much about, oh, but you'll have to give up this, this, and this. Because, you know, that cult, the Nazarenes, that's what they believe in, right? <laughs> and so it's hard sometimes to accept that. And in fact, though, I want you to look at how Paul handles it starting verse 25. It says, after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right. When he said to your ancestors through Isaiah, the prophet, and now he's quoting, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they've closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. They cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense and he welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and no one tried to stop him. Paul knows 
that there will be some that will believe and some that will not. But he keeps trying anyway. Church, don't get discouraged. It's so easy to get discouraged these days when we feel like people are not listening to us. We feel like as the church sometimes, they're not hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. There's a lot going on in, in our social media and, and different avenues of, of, you know, kind of bashing the church these days. And it makes it hard for our younger generation to trust, it feels like. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because Paul says, hey, God already knows there will be some that say no. And that's not a personal attack on us. You know, when I read the book of Acts, it always disturbs me when we come to the end, right? Because like, okay, Luke is really, really good at giving us details. And he's a really good storyteller. Like, I love to read the book of Luke and I love to read the book of Acts. But this, this is what we get as the end, right? Like, can I be honest? It feels like a really bad Hallmark movie for me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where's my Hallmark people? Like, you know how these movies go. And the bad ones are when they've struggled all through the movie. And you're just like, you're just chewing. You're just like, you know they're meant for each other, right? And in the last three minutes of the movie, they get smart. They decide they love each other. They give a kiss. And if we're lucky, we get like a photo of the wedding. What? I hate those movies. There's got to be an ending. There's got to, there's, I don't even remember what movie we watched. Oh, it was that movie about the wrestler, the last champion the other night that me and the boys watched. And it was a good movie. And, and it was one of those movies, like a bad Hallmark, where it was a little bit slow leading up, right? And we got to the end and you got your normal ending of the, you know, the kid won his championship. It, uh, but the main character, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There is so much more to this story that they didn't just tell. Like him and the girl that he dated in high school, like they just got back together. Where's their story? Why did it not finish there? Do they get married? I don't know. Because he just walked off into the sunset, you know? And I was like, and that's what I feel about the book of Acts sometimes. Because we get all of these details, all of this build up. I mean, I just spent half my sermon going through six chapters to give you the quick version of getting him there. And then I get, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome in his expense, and he welcomed all who visited him and boldly proclaimed. What? I get like four sentences to end this story? That's not even right. Why would Luke leave us hanging like this? You know, I used to think in my early, you know, years of, of reading the Bible when I didn't really study, study, it was like, did somebody kill Luke and somebody just, you know, that, that ghost writer come in there and finished it off for him? What happened here, you know? And actually you can read in like Second Timothy. See, this is what I love about going through the book of Acts. If you kind of watch what you're doing, you can actually go over and read these letters Paul wrote 
during everything we just went through in the book of Acts. And you get other pieces of the story. So I see in 2 Timothy, just before Paul is uh, coming to the end of his life, and he's talking about being ready, I've ran my race, right? And he says, I'm near death, and Luke is the only one that has stayed here with me the whole time. So I know Luke is there, people. And that's all I got. Excuse me, sir. If, I mean, if you were with Paul to the very end, could you just give me the story already? Like everything we even kind of think we know about Paul dying is based on tradition of some things passed through, you know, history with people. But then God reminded me the purpose. And if you go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, talking about Jesus, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, we have to remember Luke's purpose was never to tell us the story of Paul. Luke's purpose was to tell us the story of the Holy Spirit and how through his power, the message of Jesus would go from Jerusalem throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We need to, as we finish the story, remember what the purpose of the story was. And the purpose was the Holy Spirit coming and empowering the believers. So to Luke, the tale seemed finished, by the way. To Luke, the story that began in Jerusalem nearly 30 years ago had finished in Rome. You see, because the church had began with just this handful of believers that waited patiently like Jesus told them, who received that spirit and began to take the message out. And now the church was built up to tens of thousands of believers throughout the world. I have a map that I googled up, and it's considered to be probably one of the oldest maps there were. Does that look like anything we recognize today as the world map? No. There's a lot missing, right? But for them, and this is a map that was um, published in the second century, and the oldest map that is before Christ's birth, by the way, was only about this big and a little bitty circle of just a very known area. So do you understand that in their day and time, this is the world? So from Jerusalem to Rome, the little Asia, you had uh, things happening down in Egypt. That 
was the world as they knew it. And Rome was considered as the center of all the world. Like everything that was happening in the world, I don't know, what would we consider the center of our world today? You know, big cities that we think of like when you're flying, Atlanta is a big hub. Like it goes everywhere in the world, right? And so that's what Rome was considered, the center of the world. And so for Luke, whose purpose is to write about the Holy Spirit coming and being sent to the ends of the world, that's what Rome was. The gospel of Jesus Christ had now been preached in Rome. The end. Or so he thought. You know, that that last little piece of 31 that last phrase that says, in my version, and no one tried to stop him. In your version, maybe it was um, something like, without hindrance. Maybe your version has something, no man forbidding him. That is actually one word. Akalutos creates that one phrase. And it's Luke's exclamation point to the book of Acts. I love this. I love, love, love this. It's his exclamation point to everything that screams, this is the story of the church. Because what that one word says is God's word cannot be chained. God's word cannot be hindered by man. That even though Paul is sitting there, he's in in prison at that moment, um, and this is probably not even his final because he actually winds up back in prison before he dies. So this is not even that moment because he's still under house arrest. The whole point that Luke is making is that man is not going to stop what the Holy Spirit is doing for the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? Because we are here upon another election season and we're all a little disturbed about who's going to get this election or that election and will this pass and that pass and what is it going to mean for the church? Does it mean that harder days ahead? Could be. Could be. But it will never stop what the Holy Spirit is doing. It doesn't matter who a governor is. doesn't matter who a president is. It will not stop the Holy Spirit from working. Do you know what stops the Holy Spirit from working? You and I, from not obeying. You see, because Paul could have chosen a different path, couldn't he? He could have said, I have some important things to do for the church. I can't go to Jerusalem. That would be crazy. He could have took the out when Festus said, hey, do you want to go back to Jerusalem? Yeah, I'll take my chances. Let's go back and let me just be done with this. I got to get this court case over with so I can move on, right? But he was obedient to everything the Spirit told him. And it took the gospel into places. Now for Luke, he thought, again, we've preached it all over the world. We know. We know it's not the end, right? We know that there was so much more that was not on that map yet. And church, it's still our call today to tell the world about Jesus Christ. And I'm not just talking missions. I love missions, but unfortunately, uh, the world around us, our community, has become a mission field. 
Like it has really become a mission field to share the love of Christ with people these days right here in Wicks, Arkansas. I posted a um, something on my Oswald Chambers, if, if any of you see that on Facebook when I share the devotionals from Oswald Chambers. And one of them said this week, you cannot make disciples unless you are a disciple. And see, sitting here this morning, that does not make you a disciple. That makes you somebody that you had enough gumption to set an alarm and get up this morning and be here with us, right? But it's what we do seven days a week that makes us the disciple. We, we have to know the word. We have to be in the word to share the word. We have to know Jesus ourselves to be able to share it with others. There's three things throughout the book of Acts that we stressed over and over. Will you believe? Will you be baptized in the name of Jesus? And will you be filled with the Holy Spirit? And if there's anything you're missing out of those three, then today's the day to take care of that. Because maybe at a young age you believed, and maybe at some point you got baptized in the name of Jesus, but actually maybe you've never really been filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes we we struggle in our Christian walk because we feel like something's missing. It's called the Holy Spirit leading and guiding your life. Now, for some of us, we understand at the moment of salvation that the Holy Spirit enters us. We understand that he's with us. Like there is that instant moment, yes, the Holy Spirit is with you from that moment on. But I can tell you when I got saved as a young girl, junior high age, I had no concept of the Holy Spirit being in me day after day leading my life. So although I said yes to Jesus, I kept doing my life. And it was many, many years later till I said yes to the Spirit. And I'll listen and I will obey. And it began to change my life. And nothing man does can hinder that. And you know how I know? Because I wasn't in a church. I wasn't in any kind of formal setting. It was the Holy Spirit. It was God himself talking to me. And church, I believe that still happens today. I believe somebody in this room this morning, you're craving the more. You're craving the more. Stand with me this morning and and guys, pull up our Chris Rinsema song and... For some of us, maybe you've been a believer for a long time and you just need a refreshing this morning. Church, do you hear me? Sometimes as believers, we need a fresh wind to blow through us. And that's what I love about the God we serve. He is never finished with us. Mr. Leon is 97 and come through this surgery. That means God is not finished with him. He's still affecting people. There is no retirement age. I hate to break it. I'm sorry. There's no retirement age in the church. Because every day we're influencing somebody. Whether it's our family. And you're like, but BJ, they're not listening. Okay. All you can do is love them, share, and go to the next person. Love them and share. Go to the next person. It's not our job to change them. It's the Holy Spirit's job. 
And I believe he still does that because there's some of you in this room that I know exactly the people in your families that prayed for you, that they wanted to see you in church and a part of our community and a part of what God was doing. And you're here today because of those prayers. But I know it wasn't those people that changed you. It was the Holy Spirit that walked in your life and changed you. Church family, there's a lot of empty chairs this morning. I know there's a lot going on over this weekend. But we need prayers for our families and our friends. That the Holy Spirit begins to knock on their hearts in such a way that they can't deny it's God. That's not our voices, by the way, (laughs) screaming at them. But Jesus is the way. It's not. Love them. Show them with your life what it looks like. And then just pray for a softening of the heart. Let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I thank you for this uh, study that we've done through Acts, Lord. I thank you for the reminder of the birth of the church. And it's really the, the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit working through us. And I pray this morning, God, there's somebody in here. May we just say yes to what the Spirit wants to do with our life. That God, maybe we've we've heard those nudgings of things, but we just keep shoving it aside because it just doesn't feel real comfortable. God, may we understand we don't always know the impacts of our lives on others. And that God, even in the midst of suffering sometimes, we set in motion somebody else's belief in you because they've watched how we walk through that. Father, forgive us for those times that, unlike Paul, when we saw the rough road coming, we took a left or took a right because we didn't trust you enough to walk through. But Father, from this day forward, may we say as a believer and as a church body, we trust in you, whatever that looks like. May we remember, Father, that the most important thing for us as believers is to tell others about Jesus Christ. God's only son that we were created by a God who loves us dearly but we are separated from him because of sin in our life and that we can't get rid of that sin in any way no matter how good we are no matter how perfect our attendance at church is the only thing that will take sin away is the blood of Jesus Christ and that God we bow our knee to him And we ask for forgiveness. And then we ask him to lead us and guide us with the Holy Spirit that we may someday have eternal life. But that eternal life, it starts today. It's not something I'm waiting to die for. He walks with me today. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that a young girl in her upstairs bedroom with no trainings, No church attendance. Only a borrowed Bible from an aunt who cared. Your spirit met me there. And I believe that for others in this room and their family and their loved ones, Lord. And we're going to give you all the praise when we see you working in their life. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Church family, I love you. Have a beautiful, blessed day. And go be a blessing to someone because you've been in the presence of the Lord. 
Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.